I'm Nala Ayed, host of Ideas. In this age of clickbait and online shouting, Ideas is a meeting ground for people who want to deepen their understanding of the world. Join me as we crack open a concept to see how it plays out over place and time and how it matters today. From the rise of authoritarianism to the history of cult movies, no idea is off limits. Ideas is on the CBC Listen app or wherever you find your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Liza de Oliveira grew up in a small Toronto apartment watching Brazilian TV with her family. And flash forward a few decades, she's not just starring in TV and movies herself, she's working with the likes of Nicole Kidman. So she'll tell you what happens when you're acting in a film and you still get starstruck. That's coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Sometimes it can be nerve-wracking when your dreams come true. That's what Liza de Oliveira, who's an actor from Toronto, found out when she joined the cast of the new spy thriller series, Special Ops Lioness. So Special Ops Lioness is made by the folks who make that show Yellowstone, which is like the biggest streamed show in the world. So there's a lot of excitement around it. Liza plays a CIA special operative with a past. And she'll tell you she had this like pinch me moment uh, where she was a little awestruck or starstruck by some of her fellow actors, Zoe Saldana, Morgan Freeman, but especially one of her own heroes, Nicole Kidman. She'll tell you, it's a great story. She had to do this like desensitizing therapy in order to do a scene with Nicole. All this had Liza reflecting on her upbringing, how she channeled her family's experience immigrating from uh, Brazil to Canada for her new role. She spoke with Q guest host Talia Schlanger before the actor's strike. Here's their conversation. Liza de Oliveira, welcome to Q. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you were, you're back here in Toronto promoting the show. You were born and raised here, but I know that your folks came from Brazil and that Brazilian culture was a big part of your upbringing. What kind of TV shows uh, or movies were you watching as a family when you were growing up? I watched a lot of novellas with my mom growing up. I think, you know, maybe I didn't realize at the time, but that definitely influenced me wanting to be an actor. It's something that we did together, you know, of course you're always bonded to your parent, but it's that thing that just warms my heart when, when we think about it. And when the novellas were done, I would often say, why does something so great have to end? Okay. And then when you started watching English language entertainment, what were you drawn to? When I think about movies, I think one that was really influential to me, and I realized later on, was um, Aaron Brockovich. I remember seeing that for the first time at a friend's house. I was staring at a screen. I didn't know exactly what was going on or what I was staring at, but I was so enamored by Julia Roberts. I mean, I was enamored by Julia Roberts in general. I love Julia Roberts, but in that role specifically. All you lawyers do is complicate situations that aren't complicated. Do you know why people think all lawyers are backstabbing, blood-sucking scumbags? Because they are. And you expect me to go out there, leave my kids to be looked after by strangers, knock on doors, get these people to trust you with their lives, and the whole time you're screwing me. I just felt that character so inspiring. She has a lot of grit and, and fight. Uh, and yeah. she does it while she's dressed so beautifully. Exactly. <laughs> Which is like such a great thing to to see. Probably why I was enamored with her as well. So, Well, when you talk about grit, I mean, the character that you're playing in this show in Special Ops Lioness is the epitome 
of grit. But when we first meet her, when we first meet Cruz, she's in the thick of an abusive relationship. She's seeking purpose in your life. Can you tell me a bit about what that word purpose means to you as, a, as an actor when you think about this role about Cruz? Wow, that's a great question. For me, like Lysla, aside from Cruz, I think purpose is a, is a calling is, is what you sort of feel in your heart. And I think this was, has been so beautiful about this moment for me because I, I truly feel that I, I'm serving my purpose. I, I love creating art. I love creating feeling for people. I love manifesting feelings and thoughts that will have an impact um, on somebody watching. So that's purpose. When it comes to Cruz and her purpose and her trying to make something of her life, that's something that I really drew from my parents and tried to infuse into Cruz as much as possible. Being first generation and hearing, you know, stories from your parents growing up and the hardships they went through or even just their their perspective on things. Like when my mom came to Canada, she didn't even know that English was the language. She was uh, confused why everyone wasn't speaking Portuguese. And so these are stories that I feel like when people hear, they think, oh, my great, great, great grandparent. But for me growing up, it was my parents. And she met my dad in uh, Toronto. And my dad was a similar situation as well. Everyone's coming out here to make a better life for themselves. And my dad tells stories of all he could eat, could afford to eat was a fried egg on a, on a piece of toast. And that's all he had would be able to have that day. And he worked construction. And I just think that's so inspiring. And so I, I try to infuse that fight and grit into Cruz as much as possible because she's trying to, she's trying to change, she's trying to change her life. And um, hopefully the trajectory of, of, of the next generation, although I don't think she's thinking too much of the next generation, but maybe she is deep down, you know? She's tough as hell. Like, wow, she's tough. And what I noticed watching her and watching your portrayal of her too is there's this toughness that comes, I think, when you're at a point where you don't have anything to lose. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're, you're like, okay, come at, come at me. What else are you going to take from me? I don't have anything. Do you know what I'm saying? I see that in your performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's that feeling of you think you're dealt the short end of the stick. And so you, there's really nothing worse that can happen than your life. So for her, that's where also that's where she gets her fight as well. Yeah. And we see that really great scene in the first episode with um, her and Zoe Saldana's character, Joe. Um I, I love that moment. That's actually a scene that I, I chose as one of my audition scenes. They sent the script and they asked me to choose a couple scenes and send them in. And that's one of the ones I chose. Lift your arms. What are those? From cigarettes. Turn around. Those are from an extension cord. Should answer your question about how much pain I can take. What was it like to work with Zoe Saldana on, on something like that? I mean, I imagine she I can't say, I hear her name without smiling. I wrote her today. I was like, I can't say your name enough times. Heart, 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 heart. I love you. Every text to her is, I love you. I love you. Um, and she is just the sweetest human. She's like, you're killing it. You know, I can't wait to see you soon. Hopefully we get to see each other soon, but she's just a light. She's so nurturing. She's so giving. She, she, she just, 
you know, elevated my work by just her work and being herself. It was really great being in an environment where I could just be a sponge and soak everything up. And if I ever had a question or I wasn't quite sure how to juggle something, I could literally just look to the side and 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 see what they were doing and 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 learn. I read somewhere that you had to do exposure therapy for seeing Nicole Kidman the first first time on <laughs> I did set. Have to do what happened? Therapy for seeing. <laughs> Nothing happened. I was just so excited to see her. And I knew that I wasn't going to be, you know, introduced that I was probably going to just dive into the scene because, well, we have to shoot the show. Mm -hmm. And so I went to set earlier, I think earlier the day I had to shoot with her that night or I had to shoot with her the next day. I don't quite remember. And I was just going to stare at her from afar (laughs) just so I could get used to seeing her face because I've admired her for so long. And I was going into the stages and she was leaving and I was like, well, I have to say something like, you know, that's Nicole and it's just us passing each other. And so I introduced myself and she was so lovely. She said she knew who I was and that she she complimented my work because she had been seeing the dailies. And I mean, when you get a compliment from Nicole Kidman, your soul leaves your body. I don't really know what I said after that, but um, it was such a treat working with her and learning from her. What you're describing in these working relationships with Zoe Saldana and Nicole Kidman, this mentorship, it almost sounds like a a matriarchy sort of unfolding. And I want to know a bit more about your own mom, because as you said, she was influential on you growing up and also influential in the way that you play the role. So what did you see in her when you were growing up that you're channeling here as Cruz? My mom, I'm so inspired by my mom. She just had so much fight, you know, growing up. She's a cleaning lady and she did everything she could to just keep me alive and well in this new country that she was in. But she did it with grace. And she also, I always say this to my mom, my mom always gassed me up. And I think that's what gave me a lot of confidence. Anything I did, she was like, you're the best at that. My mom always really empowered me in in that sense with anything that I wanted to to pursue, you know, I think it's not always perfect when you're first generation. There's some things that culturally you're trying to to understand and and navigate. But this aspect of her being a fighter and 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 fighting for us and 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 growing up in this country that is so beautiful. I feel like when I went to school, every kid was his parents were immigrants, which is so great. Mm. Is uh, really special. Have you watched the show with her? I watched the um, uh, first episode yesterday here at the screening. She was holding my hand the and? entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, she's incredibly excited, but I think it's going to be challenging for her to watch just because Cruz really goes through it. And I, I think she's just going to have to wrap her head around that it's not me, that it's the character. When I sat beside her, I started crying before she did because I hadn't seen the opening credits yet. And that's what did it. Uh, Just as we close off, I hear that you make playlists for the different characters that you played throughout your career to get yourself in the right headspace and and that there's a special Canadian artist who made it onto your your playlist for Cruise. I want to go out on one of her songs. So would you set it up for us? Yes. Ocean by Jesse Reyes. If tomorrow we had to part ways What is it about Jesse Reyes that made it onto the cruise playlist? <laughs> that song makes me be in my feels, which I love. Any song that makes me be in my feels, I love. But Jesse Reyes is, I, she was really inspiring to me 
to explore as Cruz because she's Canadian and she's Colombian, and I think she would have like that fight. I've actually met her before. She's a really sweet human, briefly, but it was awesome because I'm a huge fan. And I just feel like Cruz would listen to her music. Yeah. She's got that tender stuff. She's got that like soft stuff, but then she's also got that really tough stuff. And so when you're doing, especially when I was doing all the physical work, it was really nice to to listen to her. Love it. Thank you so much, Liza, and congratulations on this performance. It's really amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. You too. Callie Schlanger's conversation with Lysla D. Oliveira, who is featured in the new action thriller Special Ops Lioness, which is streaming now on Paramount Plus. I should mention that Talia and Lysla spoke before the actor strike. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I got something um, exciting to tell you. Next week on Q, we're doing something pretty special. We're going to be celebrating the 50th birthday of hip-hop by doing a special hip-hop week, a special week of programming celebrating one of the most important genres of music, if not the most important genre of music of our time. You're going to be hearing uh, conversations with not just the folks who are breaking new ground in hip-hop right now, but some of the formative artists who helped create the genre. So uh, I'm looking, make sure you, if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, if you're a hip-hop fan, go subscribe. You're going to want to hear the stuff we're going to be putting out next week. But I thought it would be a nice opportunity right now to look back on some Canadian hip-hop history. In 1997, Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal Officiel, Thrust, and Chaclair teamed up on the song Northern Touch. It was a collaboration between rap royalty, and it resulted in a powerful moment of protest. When the song won a Juno, it was scheduled in the non-televised part of the ceremony, which no one got to see. So the rappers refused to accept the award, saying that the Junos weren't properly representing and honoring black music in Canada. The next year, Northern Touch became the first rap song ever performed live and televised at the Junos. And this time, Rascals accepted their award. Here at Q, we gathered nearly all of the artists and key contributors to Northern Touch to help tell the story. Here's how one epic collaboration survived controversy and industry indifference and helped Canadian hip-hop find its voice. Yo, what up? This is Red One from the Rascals. What up? This is Shaq Claire. What up? This is Checkmate. This is Thrust. This is DJ Chemo. What up? This is Cardinal Opichel. And this is a short oral history of one of the most important rap collabos in Canadian hip-hop history. Northern Touch. Northern Touch, baby. In on your 
What's up? I'm Saul Guy, and I'm a founding member of the Rascals Crew from Van City. At the time, I was also working at BMG Music as an urban marketing manager. Me and a few other people were some of the first ones to get executive positions at record labels to start working on hip-hop music. My name is Craig Big C Mannix. I was working at Sony Music Canada. Sony, MCA Universal, and uh, BMG were compilation partners with Much Music at the time. And if you know about all the famous comps, uh, Much Dance. Oh, can you feel it? Can you feel the rhythm? Check this out. It's the return of a powerful groove. From Much Music and Quality Music, it's Dance Mix 96. Hip-hop's big. Like, why don't we do a hip-hop comp? Because I was at Sony. Saul Guy was at... BMG and uh, Mike Zafiris was at MCA Universal. So we were kind of the trifecta behind it. But let's put some original material on there. And we decided we wanted to make it a posse cut and we wanted it to encompass Canada east to west. The Rascals were integrated, especially with Saul also managing the Rascals. And uh, Checkmate and Chemo did the beat. My name is DJ Kimo, and I'm the producer, co-founder of uh, Rascals. The beat uses a sample from a song by the BT Express called Everything Good to You Ain't Always Good for You. So the beat was originally for an intro on my homie Jay Swing's uh, mixtape back in would have been like 97, I think. Yo, what up? This is Red One from the Rascals. When Northern Touched happened, we were on our second album. It was called Cash Crop. We had won a Juno the year before, and um, this was our second release coming back trying to take it to another level what up this is checkmate the rapper really the rascals have been bubbling in vancouver and were probably the most popular hip-hop act at the time when we we're in the midst of putting the song together a lot of people would be like we're feeling red one from the rascals we're not really feeling his partner meaning misfit and sometimes in the duo groups there's always one guy that's stronger than the other and and red one really stood out so i remember calling red one and having that conversation with him and read to his credit. He said, hey man, we're, we're a team, we're a group. I understand not being able to give us 16 bars, but we're gonna share eight. And that's how come you'll see the Rascals did the back and forth in that song. Yo, world domination, the base of the foundation. No time waste. Fire walk, we trail blazing. Burn to the next destination. Flexing on this world exploration. Teamed with the best in the nation. Yes, and who that be? Custom design, fine rhymes into salary. All the way from T Dot to the Van City All Star. Rude boys freak you like a fantasy. Word up. Yes. Yes. From the north. Hey yo, what's up y'all? This is Shaclair, and I'm the one that likes chilling. Monday night, raw watching. Going into the summer of 97, I was working at a daycare called Mother of Compassion in Malvern at the back of Mother Teresa High School and got a call at work from Saul Guy. He told me about uh, this idea that they were doing with the Rascals and Thrust was going to be on the track as well. This new artist on there by the name of Checkmate. For all you new cats out there, they used to send them big two-inch fat recording tapes and they were going to mail it over and we were going to go down to a studio. Just so happened that day, Cardi was with me. 
uh, you want to come? And of course, it was like, yeah, okay, I'm coming. What up? This is Cardinal, and I performed a hook on Northern Touch. Claire actually had like a brief outline of like what the hook was. I remember just kind of writing this thing like, we notorious, but I didn't really have all the words for it. And I remember Cardi came and added some words in there as well. We were just like, yo, Cardi, you should go and do the hook because he had that very explosive style. And actually, I was thinking, I was like, there's there's actually no way that I'm going to be able to do this joint because I was, that day, I was sneezing. But we went in there and, and knocked it out. And uh, back then, everybody wanted to always be like the anchor on the track. So me and Thrust literally did paper, rock, scissors to see who would be the last one on the track. And I lost, so I ended up being second. <laughs> but it was like, oh man, we have a really nice collab here. The song was done, and sure enough, at the time, the Canadian industry being the way they were, and still are in some ways, uh, they didn't see it viable to do an urban comp. And they canned it, and they didn't let us put it out. And uh, this track was dormant for a while. To Saul's credit, he decided to put it on the Rascals album. It became a single off the album, and it just blew up, and the rest was history. And then right when we heard that news, all of a sudden, where my dogs at? Around the same time we dropped Northern Touch, a couple other songs dropped with the same sample, namely Get At Me Dog from DMX and Will They Die From You from Mace. Where my dogs at? And I was like, oh man, people are going to jump all over this DMX record. What up? This is Thrust. So when DMX came out, he was on the same sample. Northern Touch was on the same sample. But it was like playing in New York. So Get At Me Dog was playing right after it, Northern Touch. So it was just one of those songs that crossed every border. And then we get the call that they're going to shoot the video. Yeah, we're going to get Little X to shoot it. So then after the video comes out, a friend of mine from Winnipeg uh, called me, and I guess they just started playing it on Much Music. And they're like, that video, yo, that video is dope. The song is heavy too. Then me now working at the daycare. Yo, Jacques works here, yo, yo, and whatever. And I'm signing autographs while I'm watching this kid spit up his lunch all over the playground and having to change him. And I left my job as a daycare teacher. That was like when I really started to realize that this song was kind of a big deal right there. I knew Northern Touch was a hit when we went on tour. Every single show was sold out from coast to coast. And like these kids were wilding. And word for word, word for word, city to city, town to town, that was the energy, man. When Northern Touch blew up, uh, I remember feeling surprised. Uh, I was just a guest on the song, and the Rascals asked me to do some. People in this city seem to be extremely proud of us, more than just our core fan base. It, it seemed to enter the public lexicon. You know what it is? It's a parallel to We the North. The same way how people embrace that campaign because they're like, yo, this is who we are. We had always been dope in my eyes, but I think it's the first time that the figurative mirror is being held up and the people got to see, like, this is the energy coming from where we live. And, and yeah, that's, that's when I, pretty much when I knew it was a, was a hit. What up? This is Red One from the Rascals, and you're listening to a short oral history of Northern Touch. From Hamilton, it's the 1999 Juno Awards. So the Rascals' Northern Touch performance on the Junos in 1999 was incredibly important because a year earlier, uh, we had won the Juno for the best rap recording in our hometown of Vancouver, and we actually turned down the Juno. In a note of controversy, in awards handed out before the telecast, best rap group Rascals turned down their award because they said urban music, meaning black music, 
didn't get a high enough profile at the awards. We had a big record at the time. We had asked if we could perform on the show. They wouldn't let us. We're from Vancouver. The awards show was in our city. We're brash young men. We thought it was our right to perform on that stage, and, and we, I still believe that it, it should have been done. And we had an inkling that we might win, and we were prepared. So we went into the press room, and we really stunned the press and the Juno committee and, and the music industry by turning down our Juno. We didn't know it was going to be such a big deal. We just thought they'll just probably be mad at us and never really invite us back. And we thought our label would be mad at us, but, you know, we were just like, whatever, man. I know that that had a lot to do with the industry paying more attention, and then when the song came about, it getting more airplay and it going to number one. Cash Crop, our album, then went gold. And we found ourselves the next year being invited back to the Junos and performing with Cardi and Thrust and Checkmate and Shaw Claire and the Rascals and doing something seminal. Please welcome Rascals with Northern Touch. And that was the first time that they actually had a hip-hop group perform live on stage and hand out the award during the televised portion of the show. It's only in hindsight that you have perspective where you may be able to, to see the whole, but we were too brash to think that we couldn't accomplish anything we wanted to do. If there was no space in the industry, we were going to kick a hole in it and make space for ourselves. If people in the global hip-hop community thought we couldn't do our thing, we were going to do it as good as or better than them. Myself, Shaw Claire, Thrust, Rascals and Checkmate on one song doesn't really make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like Socrates, who arguably was the biggest artist out of all of us internationally anyway, why wasn't he on the song? Or why wasn't Chaos on the song? Or whatever. That weird little mix match of artists and energies at the time, for whatever reason, just, just worked. In Canadian hip-hop history, Northern Touch is a seminal moment and you can draw a direct line from that song to the success we're seeing today. And in Canadian music history, it's a seminal moment because Canadian music didn't look like us at that time. And, and Canada is, was changing so much and you were second-generation immigrant kids who was coming up or from all over the world who didn't look like the average Canadian. But we saw that it was a changing face. And I want to think that Northern Touch was a, a calling card to all those young people out there who were emerging, who are now the faces and the leaders of the nation in, in different spaces, not just arts and culture, but across the board. And I hope that that was uh, something that people saw as part of Canadian identity. And I'm really proud to have been a part of it. And uh, those things happen rarely. So here we are 20 years later, and it's fun to be telling the story. What up? This is Checkmate. This is Thrust. What up? This is Shaclair. This is DJ Chemo. This is Cardinal Opichel. Hey, yo, what up? This is Red One from the Rascals, and you're listening to Q. Yo, we notorious, huh? Ain't nobody can bang with us. Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal, and Thrust. Shaclair coming down with the Northern Touch. Yo, why you people want to bang with us? Ain't nobody can That is Northern Touch from Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal Opichel, Thrust, and Shock Player. Next week on Q, we're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop with a special hip-hop week. So it's nice to, nice to kick things off with, uh, with that. It was produced by uh, the great producer here on Q and on Commotion, Ty Callender. That is it for this episode of Q. Um, the other episode we uploaded today is uh, one of our favorites of the year. It's with the Quebecois comedian Sugar Sammy, who is not just a big deal in Canada, but is like the Simon Cowell 
of France, like a massive star and is on like the France's version of America got America's got talent. He's here to talk about um it's a really interesting conversation because he's quite offensive in his comedy sometimes. Like he'll go at English speakers in in Quebec and he'll go at French speakers in Quebec. He really believes that by highlighting what separates us, it's the best method we have to try and find some unity. Go check that out wherever you got this podcast. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.